Tonight, from our perspective up here on the chancel, this almost seems like God's living room and all of us have come home for Christmas. And I hope you're going to feel that that's the atmosphere in this service as we welcome you to the Christmas Eve service at Menlo Park Presbyterian Church. With the pressures and activities of a busy season behind you, I hope you can now just relax this hour, enjoy the carols, light the candles of hope, and perhaps be tuned in to that special message that God may have for you this hour. One of the things that we know for sure on Christmas Eve is that God does very special things in the lives of people. I think that's why we come. There's that gnawing in our souls that somehow God has invited us and he has something for us. And so with that expectation, I welcome you to what we traditionally call here the loveliest night of the year. Loving God, this evening we joyfully and gratefully sing our praises and our thanks to you for all that you have done in our lives. We thank you for this incredible miracle of the birth of your son, Jesus. And tonight we remember that through your son we've been given a hope that will last for all eternity. And so, Lord, we ask that you would bless our worship as we acknowledge you as the Lord of joy, of hope, and of glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now, as you're seated, I want to encourage you to turn around and greet those around you with a warm Christmas handshake or hug.
for centuries, uh, long before the birth of Christ, people have been searching for some source of hope, something that we can hold on to, especially in the midst of troubled times. Let's continue our celebration of Christmas as we read responsibly these words from the psalmist who reminds us about our hope. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. I said to God, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go around mourning, oppressed? O Lord, do not forsake me. Come near to me, O my God. Send forth your light and your truth. Let them be my delight. O God, my God, I will put my hope in you. I will yet praise you, my Savior and my God. Come quickly to help me, O Lord, my Savior.
night like tonight, it's hard to imagine that there was a time when no one even knew the name of Jesus. And yet, in every human heart, there was a longing for him without even knowing his name. Let's read about that longing that we all have inside of us to know God and to be known by him. Down through the ages, people have always needed, longed for a real and present God. Then, nearly 2,000 years ago, on a night of starlight and miracles, a child was born in a stable in Bethlehem. And this child was called Emmanuel, God with us. God is no longer a distant deity. He dwells in us. Look closely. You may see the love of Christ shining in the eyes of someone you love. Mother, father, sister, brother, child. In every race and nation, Christ Jesus is with us.
For a moment this evening, I want us to think together about the so-called Christmas spirit. Julie Andrews was asked this question in an interview regarding her Christmas CD. Since for production purposes you have to record the Christmas songs in July, how did you get into the Christmas mood that time of year? Her answer intrigued me. She said, we had the air conditioning in the studio turned down until it was actually cold, although the temperature in downtown Burbank was in the high 90s. Then we played Christmas carols dressed in some traditional Christmas garb so that we could get the feeling of Christmas. In a similar vein, Kenny G said this about his Christmas CD. I've recorded these songs out of gratitude for the support of my fans to give you good feelings for the holidays. I have divorced my songs from any religious meaning. Thinking about those responses, I con concluded that most of us here tonight are seeking something more than good feelings. We know that feelings give us a momentary rush, but they don't last. Our need is to find something to feed what we're going to call tonight soul hunger. And I define soul hunger as our need to get reconnected to God. This hunger was described by one writer as follows. Christmas comes each year to draw people in from the cold. Like tiny frightened sparrows shivering in the winter cold, many live their lives on the barren branches of heartbreak, disappointment, and loneliness, lost in thoughts of shame, self-pity, guilt, or failure. One blustery day follows another, and the only company they keep is the fellow strugglers who land on the same branches, confused and unprotected. But then Christmas comes to offer its wonderful message that God is with us. Emmanuel, as it was sung here earlier tonight. I believe that we have an innate hunger for God, put there by God himself. And when that hunger isn't sub satisfied, we will look for substitutes. Newscasters were recently totally surprised by the turnout for Howard Stern's book signing up in San Francisco. Thousands came to have him autograph both his book and their bodies. And asked why they came, many just said, well, he tells it like it is. People are hungry for truth, for answers that plague their souls. And Howard Stern is only one of a multitude of messiahs offering their solutions to help us cope with our very complex world. Solutions are coming from the left and the right of the political scene in Washington, Various talk shows discuss every kind of human tragedy with no boundaries. Watchers find almost perverted satisfaction in hearing the dark side of human brokenness with no workable solutions offered. So many voices, so many solutions. Which one to follow, what to believe? How do we find truth? Tonight, as Christians, we offer our personal conviction that Jesus is the one voice offering truth that we can trust. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. It's Jesus that offers truth that can satisfy our soul hunger because Jesus can get us reconnected with God. In fact, our Christmas celebration has that one purpose, to exalt Jesus, the one we call Savior and King and Friend and all those other names you find on the front of your bulletin tonight. His birthday is important to us because we believe he revealed truth about God, which is the best news in the world. It was Jesus who taught us that God is not some angry judge waiting to zap us because of our sin. He told us God is not some impersonal force up there and unconcerned or unwilling or perhaps even unable to do much about suffering and evil in the world. It was Jesus that taught us that God is a father who loves us unconditionally even in our bent and broken condition. And because Jesus was crucified and then raised from the dead, he has the power to offer us who trust him as Savior some amazing gifts, forgiveness for a past we want to forget, and a brand new beginning, deliverance from self-centered living, which always causes us misery, and his most amazing gift of all, eternal life in heaven, which is a gift that grows more in relevance every year that passes. To believe the Christmas story is to become a Christian. It's to take a step of faith that satisfies our soul hunger. The Bible says if any person be in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. 
The question tonight is how can persons who know they need more than this momentary good feeling find faith in Jesus that will reconnect them to God? I've concluded that God uses wake-up calls to get our attention regarding Jesus. Maybe you've had some this year. Maybe this has been an incredibly good year for you. Everything's going great, and it's occurred to you that your success didn't just happen, that God was involved, and you want to get reconnected to this God to at least say thank you. Sometimes a wake-up call takes the form of an answer to prayer. This wreath we've talked about every year now for about seven years, it's filled with these small rosebuds that we handed out many years ago telling people, now hold them, and when God answers what today seems to be an impossible prayer, send it to me with a letter. And I just put another one on today. We get them all year long. Answer after answer from lives where God has intervened in an incredible way, and that's become a wake-up call to these people telling them God is involved, God cares, and it stimulates their faith. Another wake-up call can come to us when we've tried other answers that we thought would satisfy our needs. And over the long run, they're proving deficient. We've turned to counseling, recovery groups, various religions, philosophies, agnosticism. And that hunger continues to gnaw at the walls of our soul. Perhaps a relationship we thought was going to bring us total fulfillment ended up breaking our hearts, followed by unbearable loneliness. Disillusionment with other answers can be a wake-up call from God. It's not bad, it's good if it leads us to conclude, I've not found anyone or anything offering solutions for my needs that can compare with what Jesus offers. I'm going to take a leap of faith and trust that what Jesus says is true. What have you got to lose? Millions testify that taking this step of faith has reconnected us with God we have found that Jesus is everything he claims to be. And personally, I can say tonight that trusting Jesus as my Savior was the wisest, best decision I have ever made in my life. I'm convinced wake-up calls are a blessing to the degree that they make us realize the foundation upon which we're currently building our lives is, inac is inadequate. We watched in awe earlier this month when that storm hit and a broken drain washed away the foundation of a house up in San Francisco. On the surface, it was a beautiful home. It had just been redecorated. But the problem was it was built on sand, and it couldn't withstand the force of storm waters. No human effort could save that house from toppling into a sinkhole. You know, maybe on the outside tonight you look good, but you know what's inside. Life storms, personal sin have eroded your inner core. And maybe you're convinced nothing can stop you from tumbling into a sinkhole. You feel like a hollow shell. You know, the good news is that it's at this vulnerable point that Jesus will meet you. Because Jesus is God, no one is beyond his ability to heal and to restore and make new, if we believe. Remember the words of the angel to Mary when he announced she would be the virgin mother of our Lord. What an impossible thing to believe. And he said, with God, nothing will be impossible Jesus makes that same offer to you tonight. The Bible says you shall call his name Jesus. And there's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, I'm not naive enough to believe that any description I can give of Jesus on Christmas Eve will really convince one doubter or cynic to become a Christian. But I'm convinced God can do that. And sometimes he uses special people. And I have a favorite preacher who gives one of the best descriptions of Jesus I've ever heard. Many of you have seen this video before, but it's so appropriate to repeat it tonight as a tribute to our Lord on his birthday. The Bible says my king is a seven-way king. He's a king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's a king of Israel, that's a national king. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. Well, I wonder, do you know him? <laughs> David said, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the fundament showeth his handiwork. My king is a sovereign king. 
No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supplies. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessings. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands in the solitude of himself. He's august and he's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He is the supreme problem in high criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He is the coronal necessity for spiritual religion. He's the miracle of the age. He's, he, yes, he is. He is the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. Well, this is my king. He is a key. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. Uh, I wish I could describe him to you, but he's in the... Yeah! 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 He's indescribable. Yes, he is. Good God. He, he's indescribable. Yes, he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my king. That's my king. Yeah. And thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And ever, and ever, how long is that? And ever, and ever, and when you get through with all of the forevers, then amen. Good God Almighty, amen. Amen. And tonight we want to ask you, do you know him? Would you like to know him? Becoming a Christian is a simple transfer of trust from trusting ourselves to trusting Jesus as the one who can reconnect us to God. 
Our prayer for you this Christmas Eve is that this will become a holy night for you. A night when you took that step of faith and came in out of the cold, responded to God's love and let him put his arms of acceptance around you and accept that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. May this be the night that you become a Christian. Would you pray with me? Lord, we salute you on your birthday, and we do what I know pleases you most, and that is we offer the gift of eternal life that you purchased for us on your cross to anyone who wants it. I pray that your spirit will work in the lives of those who've heard the knock on their heart's door tonight. And may this become a holy night for each of them as they become a Christian. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.
Tonight we've been talking about God's gift to us, the gift of Jesus Christ. And as you ushers come forward to receive tonight's offering, I want to invite you to return some of the gifts that he has given to you as, a, as an act of gratitude and know that that will touch the world with his love again. We come now to that very sacred part of a Christmas Eve service when we light our candles. The beautiful thing about a candle is it can mean almost anything depending upon what our need of the evening might be. We've been praying for each one of you for weeks before this service and we trust that tonight perhaps the Lord touched the hurt that maybe this service has started to heal, perhaps poured some hope into a reservoir that had run into despair or whatever perhaps happened to you tonight, we would trust this candle of God's warmth would symbolize. One thing that's certain for all of us, in a few moments, these candles will be surrounding you, and I'd like you to think of them as the arms of God around you and the warmth of his love pouring into you tonight on this Christmas Eve.
delighted that you chose to spend this evening with us. Our prayer has been that something in this hour will have enriched your Christmas, and it will be different because you were here. One piece of good news that I hope everybody will take with you, and that is that God loves you very much. And because that's true, tonight I can wish you in his behalf a very Merry Christmas. Good night, and God bless. Thank you.